1: Hello and welcome. My name is Michael Johnston. I am the host on New Books and Sociology, a channel of the New Books Network. And this interview is being done in partnership with the Community and Urban Sociology section of the American Sociological Association and its academic journal, City and Community. Joining me today is Dr. Colin McFarlane, professor in the Department of Geography at Durham University. Welcome to the show, Dr. McFarlane.
2: Thank you for having me, Michael.
1: And uh probably about the the uh, rest of the uh, conversation. Is it all right if I, uh, refer to you as Colin? Sure, of course. Yeah, excellent. Very personal. I mean, no reason to uh, uh, make it overly impersonal, right? I've read the book. We've had come Really? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh-huh. So, so, a quick bio. Um, Dr. McFarland, Colin, has worked, uh, um, worked on the experience and politics of the city. In his work, he explores how cities are known, lived, and politicized. This includes research on urban living in cities, magnets, and learning across cities, with a particular focus on the economic margins. Uh, Would you say that that's about right? Yep, that sounds that sounds like what I've been doing. Yep, I think. Excellent. And today we are going to focus on his book "Waste in City: The Crisis of Sanitation and the Right to City Life," which was published just this year, twenty twenty-three, by Versus. And um, to start off with, can you tell me a bit about? what led you to this project and why you uh, focus so
2: much on you know sanitation out of all things sure absolutely um well this is a book that i'm quite passionate about uh this is my um sort of third um monograph that i've done in, in my career and i suppose this one uh has been the book that i've wanted to write for a long time uh why is that well i mean, i didn't start my career with an interest in sanitation, I, I did my PhD in Mumbai, mainly interested in questions of housing and inequality in Mumbai, so India. Looking at, you know, the distribution of of housing across the city, in particular the experience of poverty in informal neighbourhoods in the city, and uh, and the politics around that. But when I was doing that research for my PhD, when I was asking people about housing. Um, people, of course, would talk about uh, uh, related questions, issues like water and sanitation uh, in particular would recur in the interviews, um, perhaps especially uh, for women and girls. And so, I, uh, you know, I noticed this theme was becoming more prominent. And then in my postdoc, when I went to the Open University, uh, um, uh, I was able to work there a fantastically exciting time with people like Doreen Massey and Jenny Robinson and uh, uh, um, John Allen and others and a whole fantastic crew of amazing people. Um, I was fortunate enough to have uh extended fieldwork in Mumbai building on my PhD and I focused that on sanitation in a way that I couldn't quite in my in my PhD research because I didn't quite at the time. Um, and you know simply put, it just became very clear to me that this wasn't simply a question of, you know one domain of urban life, you know, access to a toilet, This was something much more fundamental. Sanitation is a sure question of infrastructure and engineering, but it's also about politics, uh, social relations, uh, social power, ethnicity, gender, class, all those kind of elements of urban life which shape who gets what where and why. Uh, So I, I, I was really delighted to have that opportunity. And so that was since then, you know, we're going back now, you know, 15, 16 years since then, I've, I've wanted to write this book uh, in one form or another, and thankfully, Verso, uh, who published the book, um, were were interested and supportive of the idea.
1: Oh, well,
2: one of my thoughts, and what makes this uh, um, that they are well
1: important, but it doesn't just like it's not just limited to geography. I think it extends well beyond the discipline of geography and the sociology and business, and maybe even architectural design. Right, looking at um, how urban and community planning and stuff within the city can make, uh, toilets totally successful, but, um, again, we're to we'll get into that a bit more But the hierarchy that exists within, within the city design. Sure. Well, so you focused on Mumbai, but this, this, uh, your writing will well be on Mumbai. So is the sanitation mm-hmm. crisis only something that exists, um, in the industrialized or industrializing world, or is it something that exists outside of the industrialized world and in industrialized Western societies?
2: Yeah, where, where does it, where does this problem exist at? Yeah, okay, so so you know the the answer I just gave a moment ago uh, about about kind of like Mumbai and sort of India and the kind of inequalities or an infrastructure um, positions the sanitation crisis sort of in quote unquote the global south, right? In, not 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 a term I like very much, the global side, because I think it's too generic and it's to, to really have much application. But that that's for the sake of the conversation, let's say that. But the 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 um the problem with that is that it, it kind of like misses uh the global geographies of unequal sanitation provision. Um so you know the book you're right is kind of is is global in scope in that sense. You know, it, it predominantly talks about uh uh, sort of poorer countries, poorer cities, where there are um, vast uh, shortages of sanitation provision and profound consequences for, not just for, you know, uh, uh, in terms of discomfort or inconvenience, but in terms of whether people uh, um, can live viable, healthy lives at all, in terms of whether kids can get to school or people can get to work or travel around the city and, and, and you know, participate in urban life, right? Fundamental questions of what it means to be a resident of the city. But, that is also true in many other parts of the world, as you know. In the US context, for example, um, there is a historic pattern of uh, infrastructure, sanitation infrastructure, not being adequately provided. For example, to black working class neighbourhoods, um, in some cases, entire towns or cities, uh, which are massively underprovided for within certain states, um, in terms of you know proper sewage infrastructure. Here in the UK. You know, last few years, we've been having this increasingly topical debate in the mainstream media around sanitation infrastructure, in particular the way in which raw sewage is sort of churned out into, um, you know, streams, waterways of different kinds, coastlines, mainly from cities, and into rural and coastal and, you know, water, uh, waterway areas, lakes and so on. Uh, you know, why is that? Well, it's because we've neglected... The sanitation infrastructure in the country, we haven't invested adequately in extending and expanding this, this sort of sewage and drainage network, in order that it can cope not only with a larger urban footprint, right? You know, more and more of us living in cities, but also with the pressures of climate change. You know, where you have more and more intense rainfall, um, uh, which leads to flooding and pushing sewage out of overflows from sewers into. Um, rural and other areas uh, so whilst the book is about an urban crisis it's about sanitation in cities it's also uh, always urban and rural this crisis is a, it's an environmental crisis and so from a geographer's point of view you know obviously written as a geographer this affects all kinds of spaces and places in in, in sort of different ways right across the world
1: yeah i mean, i like the, the point that you know, talk about North and South in terms of economic standing and East and West in terms of technological advancement doesn't really get at the global perspective of understanding uh, sanitation crisis because it, it impacts both highly wealthy countries as well and fiber's countries. And when you look at it from a you know, very macro high level, it doesn't get at the micro levels of the individual cities where it's occurring because not all uh, not all cities within countries with high wealth are, are highly wealthy, nor technologically advanced. Um, one of the examples, I believe you mentioned in the book, is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and how they still house and world of where they share both standard, very sewer and storm through it together, which leads to major problems with the highly dense community that have to Philadelphia recently. And it's a it's a global city. So what does that mean? It offers almost anything that works in town for around the globe, therefore it makes it highly popular for tourists to come into and with, with the density of that already highly destined of our browser. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned density in a way because I think that that's another project I've been working on the last few years, and it's in it's the biggest part of that project in a way. You, you know, the book, as, as I said, started a long time ago as an idea, but it kind of morphs, you know, like all books sort of morphs with your interests as you kind of, you know, go through your career and you stumble across new topics or whatever, um, and, It is, you know, density is really important here because um, you have these kind of vast imbalances of sanitation provision to rapidly densify neighbourhoods. So, you know, it's vitally important in particular to think carefully about the kinds of infrastructure that can cope with large densities. uh, and this, this I think, is where the spatial imagination, the geographical imagination, is especially important, because it's tempting, isn't it, from an engineering perspective, to say, well, okay, here are some solutions, technical solutions to the sanitation crisis. That's great. That's important. But um, we need to understand how that will, op- how those different interventions will operate in relation to different kinds of spatial configuration. So, if you're dealing with a highly dense neighbourhood, for example. Uh, You know, in a rapidly urbanising part of urban Asia, for example, you're not going to solve the sanitation crisis uh, with ecological sanitation interventions, which perhaps, you know, systems, rudimentary toilet systems, which just do not cope with really high densities of people, right? Uh, Or at least you're going to really struggle to. Uh, the debate is kind of ongoing, and people have different views on this. So, so I'm glad you raised that issue because I think it's maybe something we can come back to later. But it's an important element of the spatial story. You're paying attention to spatial specificity in different cities. A lot of people are in Melbourne married between Melbourne and Melbourne.
1: are residents visitors to the community, and yeah, it's interesting. Uh, another thing that I about this, this you know, when you're talking about that is. This move towards tiny houses. we better respond a to tiny homes. Well, yeah. you know, that's going to increase the amount of Potentially, it could increase the amount of people within any given neighborhood because it yeah. allows for more houses to be built there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and I think you you've then got to ask the question of is the infrastructure following? Is the infrastructure being provided at the necessary scale? Um and not just of course in very dense places, but also on sort of the sprawling edge, often low density sprawling sprawling edge of cities globally, yeah. which is where most urban growth is happening, right? You know, yeah. we are seeing these places of hyper density, but we're also seeing these places of low density extending into the suburbs. Uh, that's kind of the predominant sort of form of urbanisation that we see across the world. So what what are we doing in those kind of neighbourhoods to make sure we're providing the right kinds of solutions? So, you know, again, just to, don't want to repeat myself, but it's that geographical imagination of paying attention to what's going on in different parts of the city from the urban rural edge through to the very dense, tiny home developments in most central areas typically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. some diversity and others, not model or to be having a similar solution to a problem sure yeah which can, it, it can have uh, dramatic consequences were well the message are brought in mm-hmm. perspective and say, say oh this might require a solution <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. which takes me to my next question you talked about uh, sanitation and the first thing that comes to my mind is in risk things in search unit when it Sanitation, particularly with the media out like, uh, Clara and other things that, uh, you know, and, and diarrhea and other things that can come with improper sanitation, you'll know, immediately, immediately tied to sanitation. However, um, are there other consequences that are associated with poor sanitation that, that, that it networked with across multiple areas of one's life? I, I, I don't want to be too, uh, uh, blinded by this idea of health and and I think that I that I could be if I if I didn't read the book and, and look at all these different areas that that
2: are that are to within blinders on sure, absolutely. Uh, and that that's kind of what I've tried to do in the book is to really open this question up and say, okay, well, what are the different kinds of issues and groups of people who get impacted by inadequate sanitation, right? And so uh health is the most obvious kind of you know and, and uh, you know arguably most important element, of course here right you know is that you know we, we, the data is kind of astounding um around i mean some of the macro information we know um uh in terms of like you know a, a billion people forced to regularly use open and hidden hidden spaces in the city to answer the call of nature right under bridges at garbage grounds, by railway tracks riverbanks shorelines and so on um so 2016 for example Something like one and a half million people died of, of of diarrhea just because of a lack of proper sanitation systems in the area where they lived. A quarter of them were children under five, right? So the the kind of you know the the health consequences of those kinds of conditions um, are of course vital, and you know the book spends a lot of time trying to tell that story and its consequences across, as you see, different kinds of diseases and illnesses and how that affects different people. Cholera, for example is having a bit of a comeback. The World Health Organization has been producing data around this, showing that um, uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, uh, uh, And and that that kind of thing is extremely concerning and often linked uh, to sanitation and should be, in and of itself, should be a kind of global wake up call, right, about the importance of urban sanitation beyond um, the way in which it's normally understood, which is kind of like this, you know, international development organization charting these processes, it should be a there should be greater urgency on sanitation and, and, and kind of toilets more broadly, right? Uh, and there's lots of reasons why there isn't. Um, but but the as you as you're indicating, sanitation isn't only ever about health; it's always spilling over into other domains. Um, uh, we know, for instance, that when you have uh, a, an absence or inadequate number of toilets in a neighbourhood, uh, the people who get disproportionately affected are women and girls, right? And and, and one of the ways in which they get affected is by not being able to safely go to toilets and use them, uh, having to travel often across distances to get to toilets, perhaps they don't have toilets in their home and have to travel to community infrastructures, finding that they can get access to those infrastructures often at busy times in particular because they're dominated by men in terms of the queues in many societies, um, and therefore, using open spaces, as I was suggesting earlier, uh, sometimes going in groups for safety, sometimes going individually to use open spaces, hidden spaces in in a neighbourhood, um, and being vulnerable to attack of different kinds, harassment, uh, abuse, rape, all kinds of things that happen um, all over the world, as, 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 as we know. Um, also, girls unable to go to school, especially when Girls start menstruating. There's a lot of evidence that girls. There's a higher dropout of girls from school when the you know, because there are um, provisions at home or in the school itself. Um, uh, uh, so that has an impact on education, and future, and obviously people's futures. And then you're looking at things like work, people missing work again, partly because of health issues, uh, um, uh, uh, and you're thinking of other kind of issues. So, for example, one of the things one of the things I talk about in the book is the labour of cleaning cities, right? You know, um, uh, so, so to come back to India, to come back to where I started, uh, uh, so-called manual scavenging, whereby um, lower caste uh, um, uh, uh, people are, are kind of like, you know, sort of like, uh, stuck in these occupations uh, of cleaning sewers, uh, unblocking sewers, drains, septic tanks, often using nothing but their hands to do so. This is all... Illegal in India now, but it happens at scale uh, across cities. Um, and often it, with severe health consequences, in many cases, uh, uh, people dying very young, asphyxiation from the gases, all kinds of horrific stories, right? So you start to say, okay, well, hi, on sanitation, it's not just an engineering problem of toilets, it's also about labor conditions, it's about caste, it's about gender, it's about education, it's about labor and livelihood. And so when it's about all these things, it You know, the mistake is you view it as an engineering problem that's somehow apolitical, right? It isn't a political problem, it's an engineering problem. And all these other issues rear their heads again, right? You know, issues around caste inequality, gender inequality, race and ethnicity, uh, the treatment of refugees as they arrive into cities, where they get located, whether they get the right provisions or not, like sanitation or other provisions, These issues replay, right? So the politics is always going to come back, which is why the solution has to be one that encompasses not just the engineering, as as important as that is, but also a political solution, right? About the scale of the city and how we, you know, set planning and policy and budgets in a direction which is providing for everybody regardless of who they are, and doing so in a way which is connecting to those neighborhoods and to people's lifestyles, right? So it's again this geography understanding. you know what what's going on in different places within the city? How do we make sure we provide sanitation that works for people? Um, and how do we deal with the thorny politics and inequalities and forms of power around who gets what where when? rather than collapsing into this kind of engineering question, which is not a solution in and of itself. And one of the examples that you find in
1: your in India, but also other places where they are creating um toilet houses, in their buildings, ad local toilets in them. But that is isn't the for-proof solution would you also talked about some of the uh risks and the, the um or level of security that these buildings have where some of the toilets are fallen in others. while they're sitting on that so um uh, yeah, could you talk a bit about these people buildings that are that are used to, or that they're built in order to accommodate the number of people who need these things to stay the planet?
2: Yeah, I mean this this is it's interesting this because it, it it's it's sort of the inseparability of the social, uh, the political, and the technical when it comes to sanitation. So um, one of the things I describe in the book there's a chapter on which I call Things, and it's really about uh, the infrastructures and stuff around uh, sanitation, all kinds of um, uh, technologies and everyday materials that are used to improvise or provide sanitation in different ways, and I, I go through the kind of the different elements of the sanitation chain, right from the toilet to the drain to the infrastructure to the treatment to the, you know, to the uh, the water supply and so on. You know, the things, the things of sanitation. So, what's interesting about that is you see across the chain different moments where the social and the political come to matter. Now, some of the examples I described there do include toilet blocks that have been built, public toilet blocks or community toilet block infrastructures in very poor neighbourhoods that have had real. Desperate shortages of toilets. So often these are very well-meaning projects run by the state, typically in collaboration with local or international organisations, civil society groups, sometimes private sector groups and so on. Um, One of the sad things about some of those programmes is that there isn't often enough funds to build adequately robust infrastructures for the numbers of people who will then be using them. Or there is enough funds to build them and build them in good condition, but not to maintain. uh, And so the septic tanks get overfilled, the water infrastructure collapses, the drains break, the electricity goes out, which is a particular problem for women and girls who want to use it maybe at night uh, safely. And then so in the book, I narrate some of the consequences of that, which does include these kind of... um, horrific stories where the floors, for example, become corroded through water, waste and cleaning materials um, and even collapse and people falling into septic tanks below. Um, but also other everyday things, you know, doors not working, uh, lights going on and off, um, water taps drying up, uh, drains breaking uh, or being, or, or, or drains seeping waste into the local soils or waterways and then that getting into local agriculture and, and so on. So, so these are always already um, material engineering questions and questions of planning, budgets, policy, social life, uh, uh, you know, economic conditions. These, these are, they are constantly enfolding into one another these different sort of domains, right? Which is why the, in the book I talk about sanitation as a network, you know, a network not just in terms of toilets and pipes and treatment centres, like not just a physical network, but a network of issues across the social, engineering, political and economic domain. And I think that's really, when we look at the sanitation crisis through the city, we really need to see it as a network, I think, because that's the only way we can really appreciate these different dimensions and also the solutions to it, right, which has to encompass these different elements of of, of the network of issues which form it.
1: Even locally with festivals and celebrations and in the United States where they have portable audience uh, for people to use. So it's the most ideal. Many times they aren't as well maintenance. and I think of that uh, exasperated by um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in big cities where it's not just happening over a short period of time, but longer periods. Uh, Los Angeles, California, I was there a few years back, for a California and they were talking about how. Places like Starbucks were changing their policies to make them accessible to people who just wanted to go in and use the bathroom, but instead only available to paying customers. Well, looks interesting how big cities respond to, respond to the need of people using the toilet, which sense sometimes they still available you know, like in students dark alley, or, or maybe just out of frustration, not even being um, modest about it, but going away in the middle of the, of the sandbox because of when it's that right, and when you're not wanted anywhere else.
2: Yeah, and particularly if you have a medical condition, you know, which, which many millions of people do, uh, that requires access to toilets more regularly. I mean, in Britain, we've seen a complete collapse of the public toilet. Uh, um, you know, there are many cities in the UK now that have hardly any, or even in some places, zero public toilets. You know, run by the state. Um, it, there are. You know parts of central London, where, where, where boroughs uh, have zero or one or two public toilets. Now, that may not be a problem for a lot of people who will just nip into the shopping mall or the um, Starbucks, as you say. But for some people, particularly those who maybe are on lower incomes and who need to use toilets often, uh, better provision of public toilets across the urban realm would make a huge difference to their lives. Uh, they would be able to go out more. Um, There's this phenomenon called the loo-leash, you know, this kind of a British kind of term, the the loo-leash or the the toilet leash, which is this notion that people never go uh, to places where they can't be confident of access to a decent toilet that will be open, right? So if you have a medical condition like Crohn's and colitis, Crohn's and colitis, or if you've got other medical concerns or perhaps, you know, other issues like, you know people with certain disabilities, people who are perhaps um, uh, uh, sometimes elderly, uh, people who maybe are breastfeeding or who are pregnant and who need to get to toilets more often, or indeed any of us who are sometimes caught in, pu- in a public place the city centre thinking, where the hell is the local toilet because I really need to go, which will happen to all of us at some point. Um, knowing that there are decent toilets around will give people the confidence to go out and spend more time in the city. Uh, uh, and so so this idea of the low leash here I think has become a, a bigger problem in 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 Britain, for example but in many so so-called wealthier nations where there is uh there has been this kind of collapse of bit of, of 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 the priority that was once given to public toilets
1: a great yeah. big city I think that's what and I a cop out because I think that the city is still made up of multiple villages, like the land which it proceeds, right? Like there are, it's still made up in multiple clarences. So to say that to say that it's a really big city and not everybody can be accommodated, anybody that, that's not true. I think the third city thing will make the city accessible for all people.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a question about whether, I mean, you know, whether. So in Britain, for example, there isn't a statutory requirement on local governments to provide public toilets. And so in 2008, we had the financial crisis. Uh, uh, the Conservative government that was elected a couple of years later was elected on a platform of cutting budgets. Um, and the austerity programme there was about saying, we, you know, we have to save money because of the financial crisis. And of course, local governments, when they're told, your budget will be cut by 20, 30, 40%, whatever it might be, um, you know, huge cuts. They're going to they're going to try and make cuts to things which they are not compelled by law to provide. And one of the things they're not compelled by law to provide is the is, is maintenance of public toilets. And that's so you so you see a a sort of increase in the closure of public toilets uh, from that time. It was happening before that. It's not just that moment, but. It, it you know places like London, that's you see a kind of like an intensification of that, that that kind of closure of public toilets. Not across every single part of London, and London London's a complicated city, but across mo- most of the city, that was a trend. Uh, and so the consequences now are that local authorities are saying, well, hang on a minute, this is actually creating new problems. You know, it's creating public health problems. Um, we're getting lots of groups, campaigning organisations, representing people with medical conditions or who are elderly, for example lobbying local states and saying this isn't good enough. This needs to change. This is in violation of basically the principle of equality, right, Uh, uh, which is enshrined in legislation in Britain. Um, So how do we go about changing that, right? If you're a local authority and you want to change it, if you don't have the money, uh, uh, there's not a lot you can do, right? Your, your, Your range of options are limited. So therefore, it's really vital that the national states, in the in a context like the UK, um, seize this issue as, as a priority, not as the only priority, of course not, there are a lot of priorities, but as a priority issue, and provide the kinds of resources needed to ensure that there are decent, well-maintained toilets across the urban realm. Lots of European countries do this. Uh, it should not be beyond the power of... Um, of the UK government to 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 do this.
1: And the sum is greater than its part, uh, let's say, right? The solution is greater than just uh, uh, sanitary sewers, but also in several other areas. So, wow. Um, so that being said, what do you think the future of sanitation
2: and the right to life in the city is going to be at both the local and global level? Ah, well, um, So, interesting this, uh, I think, you know, so I've got... um. There's, there's some academics at the University of Leeds um, who've done some great work just recently. Uh, Barbara Evans, uh, for example, they published this great paper on um, sanitation in Kampala. Um, and it, it should make sense why I'm telling you this in a, in a moment. But this particular paper, they sought to um, understand the proportion of greenhouse gases produced by the city that were driven by the sanitation system. So in Kampala, you have, of course, you have areas of the city which are sewered and areas of the city which are not sewered and where there's lots of septic tanks and other types of kind of like rudimentary uh, um, sanitation systems and toilets and so on and so forth, right? And then then on top of that, you have quite a complicated system of collecting all that waste, right? You know, trucks, for example, going into places and sucking up the waste and taking it to different parts of the city. For treatment or not for treatment, depending on where it's kind of placed. So there's a lot of activity around sanitation in Kampala, in, in Uganda, and their argument is that this, their estimate is that this is almost as much as half of the the kind of greenhouse gas emissions in that city. So it's a huge kind of number, right? Much bigger than I think most people would assume. And if that's true of of, of many other. Cities, right? If 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 kind of you know if there's a climate impact of inadequate sanitation, then this question has to become more urgent, right? Not just for the reasons I've been saying, but because in a time of climate change where climate change will be intensifying and our efforts to uh, anticipate and respond to that should be also intensifying, then you would expect these kinds of areas where there's big contributions towards climate change to be increasingly important, right, in terms of government attention and how we go about changing it. Their argument is that if you have a more efficient system of sanitation treatment, uh, including the materials you use and how you treat the waste, how quickly you get it to treatment, um, you get a, a much lower impact on on the kind of on the climate, right? And of course there's lots of complications there which which are important to to go into. So so what I'm saying is one of the kind of frontiers of the future of this question of sanitation is the climate crisis. Um, So, you know, the the flip side of this is, if you go to somewhere like Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, where I was uh, this summer doing some field work, you you will find increasingly intense rainfalls at at times. uh, And these more intense rainfalls, you know, driven by climate change, not just in Dar es Salaam, but in many cities, can produce flash flooding, uh, more more cases of flash flooding. And what happens when poorer neighbourhoods with inadequate sanitation infrastructure get, get flooded? Well, the wastes, not just the human waste, but the solid waste, all kinds of wastes, circulate around the neighbourhood or into the streams or into the farms that are nearby on the edge of the city. All kinds of complications and impacts on health, environment, uh, uh, um, schooling, all kinds of knock-on effects on work and labour and so on. So, you know, climate change uh, is the first part of that answer is that you know we need to take sanitation more seriously because it is going to get worse in a time of climate change unless we really do intervene in it in many parts of the urban world um and indeed rural world and and secondly um there are these kind of greenhouse gas emissions for example that, that that are important here as well according to some some recent research um so that's one element I would say beyond that I think um one of the things I try to say in the book is there's a lot of great sort of activism that's going on around this, campaigning organizations, individuals, and groups all over the world, from the US through to India, uh, uh, from Nigeria through to, you know, uh, London, which we discussed earlier in the UK context. This is becoming a more and more topical issue. Yes, in different kinds of ways, right? So in some cities, it's about providing more toilets. In other cities, it's about toilet provision in public spaces in other cities it's about the sewage pollution you know there are different dimensions to this crisis in different places but my sense is and maybe it's just because I'm looking a lot if that is possible but I think there is uh, a kind of upsurge, some bubbling up uh, of, of community uh, activism and other activism which local governments are also involved in sometimes trying to say well you know let's we have to really pay more attention to this we have to plan better for it, we have to invest more money in these systems because if we don't there'll not only be the be consequences right in terms of people's lives, we also miss out on all the possible benefits right if you have a healthier city uh, in terms of people's well-being, right people are more likely to be able to go to work and school and participate in the life of the city you know and you know generate more and more opportunities for the urban economy, um, and for the social life of the city. This is why I talk about this is a crisis of city life, right, you know, it's, it's not just about all of their toilets, it's about do people have the capacity to thrive in the city, right? So that's why I talk about the right to city life, to sort of borrow Henri Lefebvre's kind of famous rights to the city idea. Um, so, so I think that, that, there, is, that there is evidence that activism is driving the political agenda here Um, So those those are two kind of key areas, climate change and and, and kind of like, you know, what people are increasingly doing around this. All kinds of people, by the way, not necessarily the most radical people who are driving this. Um, Lots of folk are are, are pushing this agenda in different ways across the world. That gives certainly me a bit of hope, and I talk about that in the book, uh, you know, some hope there. Um, And probably the last thing I would say is that there are also... Some great examples of cities and countries which have turned this around, uh, which I discuss a bit in the book. Um, you know, build cities who have built uh that have built um simplified sewer systems, uh low cost, so, you know, cheaper materials that provide uh, you know, in some cases real life saving infrastructures to neighborhoods, refugee camps, all kinds of spaces. Uh so that 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 that, that you know, the evidence is that people can and cities do uh when they take this seriously, uh make some significant inroads into improving people's well being and, and the right the right to city life, as I was saying.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the uh that's you know spend a little bit of money now to save money later. And I think that there is something to be said about this while looking at sanitary um uh, sanitary expenditures like doing from toilets to the Drains in the tanks that um, the sewage eventually makes its way to, uh, but I, I think that can be said because while of all the networks that it connects to, uh, and if a person has have, have access to proper sanitation, it may save money in the area of education that is lost, it may save the in the area of of health that is lost. That would uh, that would only lead to if a person has long long periods of. Of going without proper sanitation
2: yeah actually you know, just, I'll, I'll just say briefly on that that the one of the discussions i have in that in that chapter i mentioned the chapter on things is around the the sewer um <clears throat> and i think sewers are i mean sewers are incredibly expensive they're they're often very water intensive they're hugely disruptive to build but right? you often have to close down uh, transport networks in certain places to to build them for long periods of time. You know, the 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 um, it's hard to sometimes get voters to feel excited about a sewer extension. You know, it's a hard sell for politicians, even when they believe in it. Um, but the there is lots of evidence that sewers, um, especially in areas of high density, uh. You know, you, you'll get the money back if you invest the time, difficulty, inconvenience, and financial loss, and some, right? You know, there's some numbers and data around in this in the book where I talk about, you know, the the return of investment. Um, but sometimes it's decades, uh, uh, right, before you see that that money come back in a sense to the, to the national or local government. Um, but it, you, you know, if you have those longer-term big solutions, which can provide. For uh, as I said, high density cities in particular, high density areas, um, which people can rely on, right? Can rely on uh, rather than these haphazard systems where you're replacing them uh, over and over again, with not very well maintained. They don't quite manage to provide the numbers of people using them. They break down a lot. You know, probably ends up being more expensive over over time anyway. So it's trying to see, you know, trying to almost reignite some faith in basic systems like the sewer, right, which has probably had a bit of a bad press uh, uh, as a, you know, water-intensive, expensive system. Um, there are different ways of building these systems. so different ways of using water so that you can recycle rather than use sort of clean water to, to you know, it is, it is a bit bonkers to be flushing clean water down to the sewers, uh, in, especially in, in cities and parts of the world where there is, um, you know, a drier climate. Uh, and perhaps even an increasingly dry climate in many cities. So I, I recognize it's not a one size for all thing, but it just, just one of the arguments I made in the book is just about trying to remember the possibilities that sewers enable, uh, unglamorous as they may be. Uh, so yeah, just tagging on to what you were saying there, Michael. Yeah, and particularly when there's a change of card taking place and people who are,
1: are leaders maybe off this during the time of the solution. But then- a new person comes in after after different vision of the city so it makes it difficult to uh, you know cross the cross changing of guards maintain a, a single solution and see it through uh, see it through absolutely yeah
2: yeah because i mean i mean if it's expensive it's very easy for the next incumbent to say well we'll scrap that because it wasn't our idea just then it's a lot of money you know and you know so yeah i agree
1: well, over time, this is going to be a this is going to be an ongoing discussion, and I, I don't think that it ends today with uh, you and I, uh, Colin. But uh, I think it uh, it's something that can even continue on with people who listen to uh, listen to our talk and read your book, and uh, and hopefully it continues into future books that are written and future policy that is made. Around the world.
2: Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's it's an issue I care about a lot, and there are lots of other people who are who are doing work like this. So, I see in the book I tried to point to some of that work, and yeah, I agree. It's a it's a system. It's a set of issues which are systemic and which absolutely are urgent and require much more focus.
1: Unfortunately, we are out of time for our well, our main talk about this book. However. Uh, One of the things that that I'm always yearning to know is, you know, what's your next
2: project? What are you working on now? Well, I mentioned density earlier, um, and that has been a project which I've been working on now for a few years. Um, We had a project funded by the European Research Council to understand people's experiences of urban density in different parts of the world. And uh, that had a bit of an impact because of the pandemic, because obviously the one thing that wasn't happening in many places during the pandemic was density for obvious reasons. Um, but my so I'm, at the moment I'm writing up lots of that work with colleagues, uh, you know, brilliant colleagues who I've worked with on that project. We've just finished a comic book, which I'm super excited about. It's actually going to the printers as we speak. Um, and I'm hoping, although it's always something you so don't want to say out loud, but I'm hoping to write a book about density. Um, and uh, when that happens, it's another question. I've learned not to promise, uh, not to see uh, when, because these things are very difficult to, to, to you know, as you know, they're massive projects and don't need you know, it's hard to predict exactly. But that's my kind of aim: is to try to write a a book about, um, you know, what what paying attention to density tells us about cities and urban change. I hope that you will stay in conversation
1: with me and keep me updated on on where this project takes you, and then. Uh, also, let me know once the uh, once the, the convict is out about density. I'd love to I'll look at that and vote it however I can.
2: Will do it. Absolutely. I'll
1: send it. Well, again, this is another episode of New Books in Sociology, a channel on New Books that Work. I'm Michael Johnston, uh, a host on New Books in Sociology. This has also been a partnership with the Community and Urban Sociology Section of the American Sociological Association and its academic journal, City and Community. Uh, Again, Colin, thank you for joining me today and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thank
2: you, Michael. Real pleasure.